Welcome to Seek, Go, Create. This is where we redefine success in leadership, business, and ministry. This is your host, Tim Winders, and welcome to another great, fun, uh, entertaining, and educational episode of Seek, Go, Create. We're glad you're here, and uh, we're excited to have this conversation and for you to just listen in on it. I like to say this before I get to the guest, please join with us and continue the conversation. You could do that on all of our socials. We're Seek, Go, Create everywhere. I don't have to say anything else. Just find Seek, Go, Create on all of the socials and join in, uh, comment, ask questions. We've got uh, marketing going on and engagement that we're attempting in all of those places. We'd love for you to participate. And we would also love it if you go to our website, seekgocreate.com, and you can find detailed episode notes, resources from all of our guests, all of our episodes, and you can comment and uh, have conversation there also. And if you haven't done so, go there and give us your best email address. You can usually see a bar right up top of the page when you first visit, and we will keep you updated on all the happenings at Seek, Go, Create. So glad you're here. Welcome. Now let's get to today's incredible interview. Today I have Tom Schwab as our guest. And Tom is, this is a title that I saw on LinkedIn. I'm going to ask him about it, but he says he's the chief evangelist officer for Interview Valet. And Interview Valet is a podcast guest marketing service that provides a way for authors, speakers, coaches, consultants, and brands to maximize the benefits of podcasting. And I have to say this before I get Tom uh, to share with us, that if you've enjoyed the guests that we've had, and I think we're going on about 66 or 67 guests that we've had out of the 100 plus episodes, I know that we've had at least five, we try to do a count before this episode, could be close to 10 of those guests have come directly from Tom and his organization, and we appreciate it greatly. So Tom, welcome to Seat Go Create. Tim, I am thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad you're here too. So Tom, before I, before I get off track with things, my first question, gave you a little bit of prep for this, I like to ask. Uh, we give the bio, we talk how cool you are and all that kind of stuff, give you your great title, but, but let's just kind of break down and say, okay, we bump into each other somewhere and I say, Tom, what do you do? What do you typically tell people? Well, there's always a caveat in there first, because I always answer a question with a question and I'll ask them, do you listen to podcasts? And if they say yes, then I can go into it. If not, I got to explain to a podcast, what a podcast <laughs> is, but we help. Well, we have we have people listen to podcasts. So let's assume that these are podcast listeners. How about that? I was going to say you if you're listening to this, you know what a podcast is. Yeah. <laughs> so what I tell them we do is, I believe that people's biggest problem is obscurity. Right? There's thousands, millions of people you could help right now. The problem is they don't know you exist. And this idea of breaking through the noise, let's admit it, we're all just adding to the noise. I think it's better to get in on the conversation, to get heard. And we help people do that on targeted podcast interviews. We help authors, coaches, speakers, consultants, brands talk to their ideal audience through targeted podcast interviews. You know, I, I believe we're all one conversation away and that's what we help set up. Yeah, I, I love that. And I, I want to go into... I really want to go deep into all your knowledge and wisdom you have in the industry, but I, I want to I want to kind of dig in on that word you mentioned, which is obscurity, first of all, because 
probably like you, I mean, I, I, as, as a coach, I really believe that, I don't want to say everyone, maybe almost everyone has a message to share. I actually believe everyone does, but not everyone wants to. But um, I guess just in general, before we dig down into specific podcasts, how do people cut through all the noise? Because we are in such a culture where there is so much going on. I mean, social media, I'm right now on, on video, I'm pointing to my phone, I've got cameras, I've got all of this here. How do people cut through all of that to get the message out? And I guess maybe talk broad and then we're going to narrow down and talk podcasting later. Yeah. And I look at, you know, strategy never changes, right? Strategy is more eternal. The tactics change, right? With technology and everything. And, you know, I think the strategy that worked for my grandfather is going to work for my grandkids. So how did my grandfather cut through the noise in his time? Well, he got in, introduced by people that already knew his ideal customers. And that could be he got introduced on the golf course at the um, at the Lions Club, you know, at church, whatever that was. But he didn't just try yelling louder than everybody else. So you'd hear about Cunningham Service Station. No, he got introduced. And I think it's the same way today. We're being told by the people that are selling us megaphones to just yell louder, yell louder. And all that's happening is we're adding to the noise and people are turning us or, are, are, you know, not listening. So I think to break through the noise, why don't you just get in on what people are already listening to? So instead of trying to be louder, just be where they're listening. So that could be if you're, you know, um, if all of your customers are part of a local organization, well, get invited to speak at that lo local organization. Be part of that. If there's a conference they all go to, figure out how you can get up on that stage. But for me, I, I'm in Kalamazoo, Michigan, right? There's not a lot of my customers that are right around here. For me, the easiest way is to get on digital stages and to get heard there. So to get introduced to, by someone that is, you know, the, the, an authority that can speak for you, that can introduce you and then come there and, and add value to them. So I think it's really that idea of being where people are listening as opposed to just yelling and hoping they listen. You know, one of the things that you brought up that I, I've noticed in my world, and I see it all over, and, and that is the thing you mentioned at the beginning, which is knowing your ideal customer. And, and I, guess, I guess from your standpoint, I just want to ask, do you see that most people, I don't know if that's a fair question or not, but percentage or whatever, they know who that ideal customer is. Are they guessing? Do they hope? Do they want to spread their nets to the entire world? Because I'll tell you that it's real interesting. I can help other people as a coach identify their ideal customer. I sometimes struggle with myself. So what are your thoughts on that as far as the ideal customer that is so important because you can't go to where they are if you don't know who they are? And I think we all want to help people and we want to help as many people as possible and I think in that altruistic view to help everyone, we start to delude ourselves and yeah. we want to help everybody. Well, not everybody is ideal for you. And I really think that the market will tell us, you know, I, I love, I love the market. It will tell us what they love and what they loathe. 
And so you've got to double down on one and stop on the other. So not everyone is going to resonate with you. And that's fine. It doesn't mean you're a bad person or they're a bad person. It's just there's someone else that could better serve them. So I think it's important to listen to say, who are my best customers? Who have I brought the most value to? Who have I enjoyed working with? What is common about them? And, and how can I find more of those people? And just going out there. And I think it's this idea that I'm going to go through a, a two-hour exercise and figure this out um, is laughable. We're always yeah. figuring it out um, and, and refining that. I always say the, the best piece of fiction that I've ever read or written um, was my business plan. You know, everything was perfect. All the graphs went up to the right and the ideal buyer persona was right in there. Um, and the truth was, is that as I go on more and more, I learn that these are the people, these are my type of people. Yeah. What's it's interesting. I was thinking as you were just talking about that, I'm in a few masterminds with other podcasters and, and I, there's someone in there. She's the quietest, nicest person. And she has the ideal customer or the the listener avatar she has a podcast for quilters and and she owns that space she just does so well with it and every time i speak to her i'm so envious because i'm going she has such a connection with her listeners because she talks quilting she brings people on that are quilters and that's the world she operates in and i just always think to myself wow that would be so awesome to have it so narrowed down and niche so anyway very cool we may come back to that but before we do i'm going to pivot a little bit you mentioned Michigan, Kalamazoo. I like to I like to kind of ask, especially with Michigan folks. Uh, are you from there? Been there long? I am not. I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. Uh, was uh, blessed to uh, graduate from the U.S. Naval Academy. Was in the Navy. I took a job in 1992 uh, in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And this is the truth. On a snowy February day, I said, "I'll take the job, but I'm not dying here." Well, now, almost 30 years later, I still don't want to die here, but it's home. Wow. Well, that's a long time. So, all right. People from Michigan, I like to ask this question. Favorite Michigan musician, who would it be? Oh. Tough man. question. Sorry about that. I didn't, I didn't prep you here. So. No, I would, there's, there, there's, so, there's so many there. Um, you know, um, Stevie Wonder. I mean, for a, a blind person, for yeah. everything he's done. I, I I know the hospital. I used to, to call on the hospital where he was blinded, and it was a tragic accident. But, um, you know, there. Uh, Madonna, you know, I, I liked some of her old music. She's a little bit weird and stuff like that. But, man, what she has done with that um, has has been amazing there. Uh, man, there's there's so many there. Um let me give you a hint on one that I, the, I like. I like Bob Seger, man. Bob Seger's kind of my guy. <laughs> but that's, Bob, that, that also Se dates me. <laughs> it is. He's a great, great one from the east side there. Um, we've even got, I, I can't think of his name. There's a, a uh, country star. I remember being in Nashville at a concert and seeing this young man, incredibly talented, and um, then found out he's from Battle Creek, Michigan. Oh. I'm like, I did not think that was the um, the Nashville of Michigan, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's a great state and a lot of talented people. A lot of talent. I, I think I saw something recently. This is getting way off track. We're about to pull it back in here in just a second. That one of the uh, top selling artists. 
I can't remember top 20 or whatever was Eminem out of Detroit there, ah. which, which I, I forget at times. I mean, we know he's from there and I don't know that I listen to that music that much. Uh, there's a few songs that I'm going to ah, ask kind of a cool song. I like the beat, but anyway, a lot of music history there. So, uh, so now I saw something and I knew you and I were going to have fun with this. Did I read somewhere that you're a mechanical engineer? I are, you are, you know, I are, I, 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 I are an industrial engineer. <laughs> I always claim that English is my second language. Uh, I'm not sure what my first language is, but I could draw you a free body diagram. And if you're not an engineer, that joke was not funny. It, it is. And here's, here's my concern with some of my next questions is that we could lose a large percentage of the audience when all of a sudden they find out they've got two engineers on a podcast talking. But let's hope they stick around because I, I do want to ask some questions about just having that background as an engineer, and I know you got a Navy background and some other things, but what are, what are a couple of positives that you still use today from engineering type training? I'll give you one right now. I had a professor that said, if you don't understand a problem, draw a picture. If you still don't understand it, draw a bigger picture. He said, sooner or later, you're going to be limited by the size of your paper, not the size of your intellect. And I've got whiteboards all around me. And when I'm trying to think through something, I start to draw pictures. Hmm. And this is what's coming in and this is what's going out. This is how, how it happens. Um, it's, it's funny. I think I don't use my day-to-day -day engineering. Um, you know, I, I, I'd be hard-pressed to, um, to do some of the calculus that, that we used to have to do all the time. But the way you think, the way engineers process things, the way they ask questions, and also that optimizing, that there's not one final solution. It's like, okay, well, that's solution A. And now how can we tweak that to get a little bit more out of it? So um, it, it's structured the way I, I think. Yeah, that, that's good. And I, I'm similar. I don't know that I use a lot of the details. I do still remember a little bit of physics. It's like force equals mass times acceleration, and you can't push a rope. Those are the basics I got from physics. So, uh, so that sometimes helps me out that I can't push a rope. But I saw something that you had posted. I think you, you were, are you a graduate of nuclear power school? I am. So I graduated uh, Naval Academy, and then my first job was running nuclear power plants in the Navy. All right. So my first big question, is it nuclear or is it nuclear? Uh, we need to clarify that. It's... <laughs> uh, I'm not going to... Uh, um, Jimmy Carter has done a lot more than I ever had in my life um, as a president, as an alumni, um, as a human being. But every time he says it, it's it's wrong. Nuclear. nuclear yeah. power. He's a Georgia Tech guy, yeah. too. That's where he did that. So... All right, so so I, I saw this, and I, I think I might have seen I've seen it on one of your socials, Tom. But you mentioned that you you don't use a lot of application, maybe of the mechanical engineering, but but on the there, there was a card or something that described someone who had been through I think the nuclear power school. All right, so I'm going to throw some words at you. And, and we're about, one of the things we do on this podcast, Tom, is we're about redefining success. 
And, and so with that theme in mind, I'm going to ask you some questions that I read off of this card. It says that people that have gone through that school are tough-minded, skeptical, sometimes even cantankerous, but always technically competent, always thinking, what if? A special breed. Talk to us about, obviously it was a few years ago, but is that you? It is maybe not as cantankerous as I used to be. I think <laughs> that's, that's not a great word, is, really, but it but it could be, I guess. <laughs> um, that really came from Admiral Rickover, who's probably the most cantankerous person that you'd ever want to meet. And when you were called that, it was a it was a compliment, right? You were always striving, always wanting more, not just accepting it. And so when I I got that card. When I got um, finished nuclear power school and passed the oral boards, and to this day I carry that in my wallet. I was just looking to see if it's to see if my wallet was on the desk here, but <laughs> I, I still have that because there was so much pride in that. And I think that's always that questioning of not well, this is the way it's always been, and this is the way we do it. Well, why? Why do we do it that way? Is there a better way to do it? And and challenging myself, challenging by company challenging, um, even the clients we work with, is there a better way to do this? Um, because, um, I want to always be growing, you know, going back to engineering there, there was the second law of thermodynamics that says entropy always increases. Okay. What this means is that if you think things are messed up today, just wait till tomorrow. That's what I heard from that is that not just normal things just don't get in order. You've got to work at them. You've got to get them better. You're not going to get better as a person. Your family's not going to get better. Your business is not going to get better. If you just let it go, you've got to work on it. And I think, um, maybe some people would say I'm cantankerous as I do that. And if they did, I'd say, well, thank you. <laughs> well, I think cantankerous. Yeah, that could come across as negative, but also I think there's a focus and there's an attention to detail. And I love the asking of questions. I resonated with that because maybe there's a little bit of me there. Uh, I, I kind of go about that process. I try to smile to kind of make up for when I'm pressing. And uh, I've seen some interviews and, and seen some things you've done. I would not call you cantankerous, but I loved reading through that, Tom, for a couple reasons. Because I think, I think it's especially valuable to know that you carry that card around in your wallet. And you had posted it uh, sometime back on social. But I think it's also part of us defining what success means to us. And, and that's a, a big thing that we do because, uh, because some people would, would not look at some of those things and understand what they mean. But you just described, and I, I know what you're doing now with your business. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But I look at some of these root foundational characteristics that you've probably had for years, and I go, ooh, I know why Tom is successful. I know why Tom has done well. It's some of these things. And some of those things we don't see in culture very much anymore, correct? Well, I would push back on that when you said, I know why Tom is successful. Okay. I, I feel that I'm, I'm successful. I feel honored that you say that I'm successful, but I've heard other people say, why doesn't he just like slow down and enjoy things, right? Why, why doesn't he take the evening off? You know, 
while everybody else is watching television and can tell you who the next person is on, you know, on whatever the new TV show is, right? I'm just like, that doesn't introduce, uh, that doesn't, that doesn't interest me. I want to keep learning, keep pushing. And people go, well, that's not the life I would want. And I'm like, great. God love you. You get the life you want. I get the life I want. We get to choose that. So um, I look at that as I've gotten the success that I want out of life. And um, success to me is the journey, not the end point. You know, I'm not successful when I was successful back then. I'm successful now. Uh, But as I look in, if I'm not, if I look back and say that I was a better version of myself five years ago than I am today, then I couldn't say I'm successful today. Yeah. All right. So that's good. That opens the door wide for me to go down a path that I love to go down. And, and that is this, I I look at, at experience that one has engineer. I always get excited when I have engineers to speak with Uh, someone who spent time in the military and the Navy, and we appreciate your service and all that you did there. And then I think you went into medical, uh, medical sales, medical equipment, and now you're doing some really cool things in a, in a sexy new world of podcasting. And, and the question that I love to ask is during that journey, during those times that you've had to maybe adjust or you've learned things, can you give myself and our audience a time or two that you've, I don't have been, I don't even like to use the word failure, but you've had to redefine what success means to you. You've had to go, wait, I'm putting words out here, but you know, it's not the three cars in the garage with the house and all that. I've shared very openly on the podcast about how we've had million dollar companies and then we were homeless and things like that. But can you give a couple of examples where Tom has had to look in the mirror and say, Hmm, I need to adjust. I need to pivot or I need to rethink the way I think success. Can you share with us? I, I, I definitely can. And that is soul crushing at times because you've got to define what success is for you. And I'll give you an example here is that I grew up in a middle-class family in the, uh, in the Chicago suburbs, you know, um, find a job, be good with it, retire from there. And so by the grace of God and a technical error, I got into the U S Naval Academy and I, I went on and had a career there and I hit the five year point and my commitment was up after the Naval Academy. And I said, I want to get out of the service. And I remember my dad telling me, saying, what do you mean? You've got this great, successful career. All you've got to do is put in another 15 years. You get this retirement, all the rest of this. And I said, no, dad, you don't understand the, this is not my dream. It's taken the toll on the family. And I remember my dad telling me, you're a fool to walk away from this. And that hurt. So then I went to work for corporate America and I was very successful there. And in 18 months, I went from being an engineer to um, a operations manager for one of the, the small units to the distribution manager. And you know what, Tim? I was miserable because if you didn't sit a pew in front of me or a pew behind me, work in the same building I did or live on my block, I probably didn't know you. I felt like I was in, on the ship again. And I saw all these people out there selling. 
and thought, wow, this is great to be in, in surgery with the doctors. And I had the opportunity to see that. And I'm like, that's what I want to do. And so I remember telling my dad that, hey, I'm going to take this straight commission job um, and sell medical devices. And remember, this is 18 months before I had told him I'm getting out of the Navy. And he told me, he said, you can't do this, right? You've got to be an adult. You've got to be responsible. You've got to have, you know, you've got a family and a mortgage now. You, you just can't keep doing this. And, you know, when I got out of the Navy, he called me a fool. When I took a straight commission job, he called me a dang fool or words to that effect. And I'm like, dad, this is what I have to do. And I know that he wanted the best for me. He wanted me to be successful and happy and secure, just like he saw. But I knew that that would kill me. And, you know, uh, luckily uh, he died uh, way, way too young, but he lived long enough to see me have the success that I wanted. And, you know, he told me, you were right, I was wrong. Um, you followed your own way and, and were happier for it. So that was really tough to go after, to go against everything that I was brought up with, that whole idea of what success is, and go for my success knowing that happiness would be there. And thanks thanks for asking that question. That, um, that brought up some great memories. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because because I think there's some, I don't want to say deep rooted things with the, with the story you just told, but you know, for a few times you mentioned that success uh, or maybe the friction related to what you were trying to do and what you had maybe been taught or raised to do revolved around your parent. And, and I have had similar, my guess is a lot of our listeners have had similar that success is somewhat defined by our culture, the way we grew up, where we went to school, whatever, uh, those things. And none, none of those are bad per se, but the question that we all have to ask is the question that you pressed on. And I don't, I, I really struggle. I try not to blame parents. My father's still alive. He's got cognitive issues right now. And in fact, as we're recording, he actually just fell and broke a few ribs, but he question a lot of things I did too. I was working corporate for a little while and they thought, okay, if you just stay here for 30 plus years, you will be set. And I was miserable. The second day I arrived, I was trying to figure out a way to get out of it. <laughs> and I, and I worked there for nine years, but I, I think that friction there and I, and listen, God bless them because they just want us to, they want us to pay our bills. They want us to keep a roof over our head. They want us to take care of our family. And they probably don't want us coming to them to ask for money. That's probably also a route to it, don't you think, Tom? <laughs> you know, let's be, let's be upfront about it, now, those of us that are parents. But, but here's my big question, and this is our segue into what I think we're really going to bring value to the listener. How many people that are out there right now that have a message to get out they still hear those tapes or whatever in their head, Tom. And you probably have them coming to you a little bit to want to share. You, maybe once they come to you, they are already through this. But how many people do you think are still wrestling with what does success mean? And can I step out and do something unique and different? You talk to a lot of people. Share what you see from that. I think there's that imposter syndrome there mm. and the idea of other people are judging me, hmm. you know, what will other people uh, think? 
you know, and I can remember that when I was in corporate America, it was, you know, when I was Tom with, you know, striker, right. My, my identity was that, or when I was Lieutenant Schwab, you know, there was that identity with that title. And the problem is, is that at the end of the day, nobody else is really cares about us, right? They're not judging us. And what I think, what you think about yourself is more important than what anybody else does. And so I think over this last year, especially with everything that's been going on, we realized that nothing is guaranteed. Life changes. Every day is a, a, um, a gift, not a given. And, you know, while I lost my dad 20 years ago, I think it was also a gift. He died at 62. And I, in my mind, I looked and I said, man, I don't have that many more decades. I've got to do what makes me happy. So I, I would just ask, ask somebody if they were struggling with that. I would say, you know, when are you going to do it? Right. How much time do you have to do it? And then the other thing, too, is that there's a lot of problems in this world, but there is no better time to be alive. Right. Yeah, there's, there's what's the downside? Yeah. Let's, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead and go for it. Right. Yeah, and go go for it. It's like, what is the worst thing that happen is going to happen? And people will say, "Well, what's your fallback? What's your fallback? My fallback is my creativity and my um, my hard work, right? Um, why wasn't why was I successful in my um, in my first sales job, straight commission sales job? Because I had to be, right? I, I wanted to prove it to myself. I wanted to prove it to others. And um, it's funny, you know, that creativity will come through. And I, I always ask people, what's the worst case scenario? And how likely is that to happen, right? None of us are, well, I don't know. You're out there in South Dakota. You might be eaten by a bear tonight. Um, that's a, That could be a problem. For the rest of us, it's not like a bear or a tiger is going to um, to come down. It's like, what's the worst that's going to happen? Oh, I could embarrass myself on a on a Facebook live with the first time I do one. Really? That's the worst thing that happens, right? And that's what's stopping you from going out there and, and sharing your ideas. Come on, let's do it. Yeah. So so one of the things that is interesting to me, especially when I look at the progression of your career is, you know, mechanical engineer, Navy, all of that. And then now you have this really cool business that is well known in the industry for those that are podcasting. So some of the people listening are getting a behind the scenes look at kind of how podcast world works. Uh, very influential in the industry uh, to me. And, and you're helping people get their message out and all that cool stuff, Tom. So how did you get started with this? We'll kind of go to this question and then we're going to start helping give some tips for people that might be saying, I think I'd like to get my message out too. So how'd this get started? Where did this come from? Well, everything in, in, war, in the world, I believe is a evolution, right? Nothing is new under the sun, right? It yeah. evolves. So, um, after I was in, you know, medical device sales, uh, sold that distributorship back and then had a, a sideline product D it was direct to patient, durable medical equipment rental. We were one time voted the sex, the number two least sexy thing to sell online. <laughs> but the way we did it was this thing called inbound marketing, right? Using content to attract, engage, and delight people. We built that company up, we sold it off. And then in 2014, I started to hypothesize and I was in a mastermind with some friends and that you could grow your business 
by being a guest on other people's podcasts. And that's not a new idea, right? It's a new application yeah. of idea. Hold on a second. So you did this in 2014. How long had, po mm -hmm. well, podcasts have been around a little while, but there were a lot of people that didn't even know what podcasts were then. That word wasn't even in the vernacular, correct? So you were on the forefront. Correct. Well, podcasts actually started 2004, but nobody could do it. I mean, mm -hmm. when we started in actually 2016, I'd say what I did and then people go, what's a podcast? Yeah. But really what we were trying to do is like 20 years ago, if you wanted to build your business, write a blog. If you really wanted to do it, put a guest blog, right? Instead of writing your own blog, having it seen by three people, put it up on Huffington Post, USA Today, whatever the big sites are. And that was the way to tap into an audience. So in mm -hmm. 2014, I thought, hey, this should work on podcast too. We tested it and Tim, I really thought as an engineer, right, that there was something wrong with the data because mm -hmm. it worked so well. And at first I thought, well, maybe it's just a niche. It's the personality. We kept testing it and it worked great. And, you know, I wrote a cheesy little book that I gave away. Uh, then I did a, a little online course that I never took out of beta. And the reason was is because people weren't getting results with it. They didn't want to do mm -hmm. the work. And, you know, I, gave, I, I didn't want to sell something that people weren't getting value from. And the ones that were honest with me just said, you know, I want to be the guest. You just take care of all the rest. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's good copy, right? That's going to be our tagline. So we beta tested it in 2015. It worked so well. We took it out of beta in 2016. And now we've got 27 people on the team in Europe, Canada, the United States, and now in Mexico with Interview Valet Espanol. Yeah. So it's all just been an evolution on that. And uh, I look at it as like this one long career. I, I learned stuff in the Navy. I learned stuff in corporate America. I learned stuff with an online business, with the marketing. And now we're taking that with Interview Valet. Yeah, that's that's good. I love that story. And I, I love that we're having this conversation again, because there are a lot of people that are going, wow. Okay, so here's a guy that's got a company, 27 people, been around six plus years. And it's probably one of these things that a lot of people do not know exist. I'm a business coach and I, I like to, I don't say pride myself, but I read a lot, study a lot. And I just love it when I find out that there's people out there in businesses that I never knew about. And up until recently, I didn't know this existed. So, so that's exciting. And I, I love, I love all that you guys are doing. Uh, let me ask a few high level questions over those last six years and then we're going to drill down a little bit more. I would love to know over the five, six years, especially since you're an engineer and you probably love data like I do, what are some trends, uh, surprises, myths, uh, things that people might think about podcasting that's really not true? I, I'm just I'm giving you a wide net to kind of just share with us maybe five years of wisdom condensed down into a few minutes, but, but what are some things that you have said, wow, this is cool or whatever, just what can you share about podcasting in general? And I think that it, let's start with the name podcasting. Mm. I think right now it's 2021, 2030, somebody's going to be listening to this and laugh every time we say podcast <laughs> because what is a podcast? I remember asking my two youngest daughters who are 21 and 24, what's the pod stand for in podcasts? And they're like, I don't know, dad, what's it stand for? They don't know a world with an iPod. 
And yeah. they listen to podcasts, but they listen to them on their on their iPhone. They listen to them from their computer. So it's this merging of what it is. And uh, in 1920, radio was called wireless telegraph. And by 1930, it was called radio. So I think we're going to see something else like that, too. The other thing is, what is a podcast? So it used to be, well, it's an audio download. So what we're doing now, it's on Facebook Live. So that's not a podcast? Well, yeah, it is. Well, I, well what about when somebody gets this video and they watch it on YouTube? Is that still a podcast? Well, yeah. Well, Sirius XM bought one of the big podcasting companies, right? So when this is up on XM radio and you're listening to it in the car, is that still a podcast? <laughs> sure. And to me, it's, I think we got to look bigger. It's, we live in such a time today that we can create easily in the format that's easiest for us and then repurpose it in the way that's easiest for other people. And so that's what I think we're seeing with podcasting. Um, you know, you can transcribe it, make it into a blog. You can make it into videos. The other thing, and this isn't my idea. Um, this came from a futurist out of Stanford. Um, uh, and it, his name of his book was um, The Literacies of Leadership. And he made a, uh, a point that the future is vivid audio. And everybody will tell you, no, the future is video. And I thought he made a very, very good point. And I think, I think he is spot on. I think podcasts will live on longer than videos. Podcasts will be more impactful than videos or writing. And the reason is, is when, when we see somebody, we can be very judgmental. They're too old. They're too young. They're not the same skin color as I am. And we all make these quick decisions. The other thing too, is that video can quickly become dated. If you don't believe me, watch Star Wars with somebody that's like under 20, they laugh at the special effects, but audio lives on, right? You can listen to war of the worlds. It's still scary. I think of my, my niece, she was studying for her real estate license and they had her listening to some Zig Ziglar stuff. And she called me up and she's like, Uncle Tom, have you, have you heard of Zig Ziglar? This is amazing. You'd love it. And I didn't have the, the guts to tell her that, honey, Zig died years ago, and that was probably recorded before you were born. But to her, that was meaningful. It was engaging. I'm sure if she watched that same video from 1990, she would have turned it off. So that's why I am so pumped on podcasting because the future is vivid audio and that it's a great way to easily create content and then repurpose it in the way that's easiest for your customers or people you want to influence. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you brought up a few things there that I've thought about, but you might have some wisdom here. You, you know, like you mentioned that pod, I, I, I had this vision of my first iPod that, uh, that I would plug in to my computer, download some music to get it on my iPod. I may have gotten some RSS feed, you know, quote unquote podcast items, but I don't know that I knew what they were at the time. And I would put it in and think I was really cool. Basically carrying around a hard drive is what you're basically doing with an, with an earbud that, you know, a plug that you plug in. And, uh, and of course that evolved to the phones and all that. And, and you mentioned this term vivid audio 
And early on in that last uh, answer, you mentioned that, you know, years from now, we'll probably laugh at the term podcasting. Do you see us finally getting a name for what this is? Is it Vivid Audio? Is it, I mean, what's what's a better name? I mean, maybe Tom, maybe you could come up with it right here on Seek Go Create This Episode. What is the name for what we do as we move forward? Tim, I've been struggling with this question for a long time because if I knew that, I would be buying domains left and right. <laughs> Right. Because whatever yeah. it's called is going to be a powerful domain. And um, what people call it, I don't know if if that's as important as the impact it has. Like um, I'll say television and my wife laughs at me. You know, she's like, you're old. It's TV. You know, I, I'll say, you know, AM, FM, whatever it is. Um, but we but we know it's content. And I think that's what podcasts are. And I think that's going to be that that whole merging of when this is heard on the radio, is it still a podcast? Do people know? Yeah. I don't know the answer to that either. And even what you just mentioned, television to TV, I had someone correct me recently and say that TV is old school because what people are doing now yeah. is they're consuming on these phones and other things. And there's a generation that's a little bit younger than we are that they don't have 47 inch, 57 inch, 80 inch, TVs in their homes because they don't have homes yet. They're, they're walking around with their with their phones and all of that. And and with within that phone, they also have the players for what we call podcasts now. They've got video. They've got Clubhouse. They've got apps. They've got, you, you know, all of these things. And I don't know, maybe it doesn't need an answer. Maybe we just have conversations and we share it all over the place and people listen in. So, well, I, I appreciate all of that. Do you, do you see any negatives, any challenges for the industry coming up? that we're going to need to overcome that, uh, that, uh, we need to kind of watch for very much. So, and I think we've gotten so enamored with the, the technology and the tactics mm -hmm. that we have forgotten the strategy. Mm -hmm. And I've often said that I believe my grandfather would be better prepared for the future than my grandkids are. Mm -hmm. The reason being is he's got no idea on the technology but he was a great businessman. He was a great man of character. He understood the strategy, uh, you know, relationships, how you build a business, delivering value. Um, and often I see people now that are focused on, well, you know, what's your pay-per-click? What's your, what's your funnel? What's this? And they've got all of these parts of a business, but they don't have the heart and soul of a business. And I think that's very dangerous. Because a lot of these things that technology will be take, able to take away, um, but the strategy, that heart and soul of a company is, is what humans give to it. And so that, that's what I'm one of these always push back on is why. When you talk about cantankerous, when my, my team came to me and said, we got to be on Clubhouse. Well, why? Why are our customers there? What's the strategy behind it? It almost reminded me of... Uh, my daughter, um, when she was in junior high, she came to me and she said, dad, you need to be on Instagram. And this was a long time ago. And I said, well, why honey? And she says, because everybody is on Instagram. I said, define everybody. Yeah. I'm she not, said, I, am I not everybody? My, all my <laughs> yeah. Me, yeah. Me and all my friends. And I'm like, if I'm on there right now, 
with a bunch of, you know, middle school kids, it would be creepy. My customers aren't on there. Why would I need to be on there? So I think too often right now, we're just going, oh, I got to jump to this technology. I've got to jump to this, this, and not asking that question. Well, why? How's this help people? How's it help my business? It could be great, but is it great for me? Yeah. And it's the, I think it's something you brought up at the very beginning and that is getting in front of the audience that you serve and the people that are your people. And some of them may be on clubhouse. I don't know. I've done some things there and I know you have some too. And, and I just, I do kind of like to check things out, but I don't necessarily like to, to, to jump in and totally immerse myself like I've seen some people do, but, and I, and I do agree. We kind of have this bright, shiny object syndrome that can distract us from the basics and the foundations. I love you bringing up your grandfather. I thought about mine. And the thing that I thought about was what I learned from him was to the way he interacted with people. And, and that it's, it like goes across all technologies, timeframes and all. If someone was within range of him, he would say hello and he would smile. And in the small town he grew up in, in the middle of nowhere, Mississippi, he, he really felt as if he either knew or, or was related to everyone in that town. So he would take me to the local, uh, it was called the old folks home. I'm not being derogatory. That's just what it was wow. called there. And it was attached to the hospital. And there was this one big long hall with the old folks home. Then you walked out one door, go to the next one. And then you walk down the long hall with the hospital. And about once a week, he would go over there and we would start on one hall, one end of the hall. And he'd walk down and he'd knock on the door. He goes, you know, I think I know so-and-so. And we would just, and that's what I learned from him. And you know what, Tom? That carries on for generations. And in fact, we might need a little more of that now than we used to have, right? Yep. One of the things that uh, my grandfather told me was relationships are the ultimate currency. Mm. Yeah. And it's so true. It's the one thing that inflation can't take, um, you know, and I would even say death can't take it, right? Mm. When that whole thing of you can't take it with you. Well, no, but relationships you can leave behind, right? Um, there was for decades, you know, um, I got the pass or I got special treatment because I was Jim Cunningham's grandson long after he was gone with that. And I think too many people forget about that. And, well, I've got this many people following me on TikTok or something. That's not yeah. the same thing as a relationship, right? Yeah. So focus more on those long-term relationships and those will, you know, and even, even now on podcasts and stuff like that, when people hear you, that builds a relationship. Yeah, it does. So let's talk about those relationships. And I, I, I know that that's one of the things that you guys facilitate. You facilitate the relationships to connect people with people that could help them get a message out. I, the first thing I do want to ask before we do that is let's just say someone's listening right now, Tom. And maybe just a tip or two for them, if they think they either have a message to share, a book, or maybe they're in their consulting world. I even know, I know some people, I know that you really work with people a lot in the coaching consulting, but I've always even thought that some people in more of a smaller business mode could have some benefit to getting their message out a little bit more. So talk to someone who right now, maybe they don't have anything to share, but they're thinking about it. Give them some encouragement or some tips. And then we're going to talk about the person that, hey, listen, I'd really like Tom to help me get my message out to people. So talk to us about that first. Well, that 
that first one that you talked about where someone doesn't have something to share, unless you're in a coma, that's not you, right? That's because right. we all have something to share. We, we are blessed to be a blessing. And I used to struggle with this term of expert. Well, why would I go on a podcast? You know, I, I'm not special. I don't have expertise, um, anything like that. And a friend of mine who's a lawyer helped me with this. And he said, what is the legal definition of an expert? And it's someone who knows more than the average person based on their training, their background, their life experience, right? So if you're an expert witness in court, it doesn't mean you are the number one hands down person, right? No, there's only one of those in the world, but you've got expertise in this and you're not an expert in everything, but there's certain areas. So if you are a parent, right? If you have successfully parented kids, you've got expertise in that, especially for somebody that's just starting out. Most of us are working in our business 60 hours a week, and we've been doing it for decades. Tell you what, you've got more expertise in your industry than the vast majority of people, right? Um, the different life experiences we had, you know, um, no one else is like me that they did a little bit in uh, in the military and nuclear power, they're an engineer and they brought all of that together into podcast interview marketing. And the one thing I would say is that the one thing that we're all experts in is our opinion, right? I am the world renowned undisputed expert of my opinion. Now, uh, people won't ask me my opinion on things that I have no, no knowledge of, but what you can share, the insights, the, the learning, that can help a lot of people. So if you say, well, I've got nothing to share, I would disagree with you that on that. And I always looked back on it as so many people have helped me through life, Jim, you know, with lessons, with, with, with things that have made my life better. And they didn't help me just to help me. I believe we're blessed to be a blessing. And, you know, um, it would be an insult for me not to take what I've learned and pass it on to somebody else, too. Yeah, that's good, which which is, is kind of a, a term I like to use. We should spread our nets. If we've got something that we've been blessed with, I love that blessed to be a blessing, then, then we're somewhat, I don't want to say obligated, but we need to share that because it encourages and uplifts other people. So let me shift just a little bit. And, and I know we've got some people that might be listening that are in this category. Let's just say someone has a book or they're at the beginning stages of a book or, or they've got a business that it would benefit them to share with a broader audience that, you know, they're maybe suffering from that word you used at the beginning, obscurity. So Tom, and, and we'll tell people as we wrap up here in a few minutes, how they can connect with you if they want to engage with you, but just give some general tips on what people can do to uh, be less obscure. <laughs> Maybe might be a great way of saying it. Yeah. And it's, you know, uh, to get out there, to get that exposure, exposure brings opportunity and it's got to be the right, right exposure, right? You don't, uh, you don't want to be on every post office uh, wall. That's not the kind of exposure that's going to help you, but going out there and saying, where could my message, where could my expertise help people? 
And then also look in the mirror and say, what am I most comfortable with? Do I want to jump up on a stage, you know, and talk from there? Some people are comfortable with that. Um, I still get butterflies and, okay, an upset stomach every time I get on a real stage. But if I get on a digital stage, it's much easier. So Mm. say, do I like talking more? Um, Am I more comfortable just writing things? Uh, Do I want to get in front of video? Look at different ways to put it out there. And then some people will say, well, should I be a host or a guest? And this goes for anything, right? Should, should I, on a podcast, should I be a host or a guest? I always say, well, it's not an either or, and really it has to go along with your, what your goals are. So that's almost like saying, should I be an Uber driver or an Uber passenger? Same platform, two different goals. So with a podcast, if you've got a current audience that you want to nurture, if you want to nurture current leads, then being a podcast host is a great way to do it. But if you're trying to go out there and get new exposure, get new customers, get new leads, um, get new mentions on social media, then being a podcast guest is a great way to do that. Uh, it's easy, it's economical, and I always look at it as economical for me is also time, right? Um, Jim, yeah, I, I can remember, you know, the days before COVID where I would get on a plane and fly across the country, right, to go to speak to a few hundred people. And I love doing it, right? But all of a sudden you look at it and say, okay, there's the flight cost, the hotel cost. Even if they pick that up, I was away for, you know, for my family for three days. And now, you know, uh, what we all learned in COVID is that you can sit at home and talk to thousands of people, tens of thousands throughout time. So, you know, it's a powerful medium. And, you know, even if you're in Kalamazoo, Michigan, you don't have an excuse anymore that, oh, I can't do this. Yeah. Or if you're in an RV or something like that, right? You could, there you go. You can do this. So uh, what are some, what are some big mistakes that you see people make? Let's just say someone says, Ooh, I'm going to get on a bunch of podcasts and so let me just start doing this. What do people do wrong? What do you see them really? I don't want to say they like really mess up. Maybe they do. But what are some things that people do wrong? I'd say it was the same thing we see with other people where they start out without thinking it through and without a strategy. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm going to build a house. I have no plans, no idea. I got a hammer and let's just start going to it. It's not going to work out well. It's the same way with with podcasting or being a host or a guest. So have a strategy with it. What are you trying to do? Who are you trying to talk to? And one of the biggest challenges we have right now is there's so many choices. So people say, I want to build my business like Tom on podcast interviews. And they'll go out and say, well, here's 2 million podcasts. Well, you don't have time to be on all 2 million. And they'll just pick at random and it'll either hurt them or they'll get no good results with it. So the algorithm that we use is the one that I openly teach looks at four things. First, look at the podcast. Is this podcast likely to have my ideal listeners, right? So here we're talking about business. We're talking a little bit about faith. That's all, you know, my ideal listeners or my ideal customers. You know, there could be a great podcast right now, like you said, on quilting. I could go on that podcast it would do me no good, right? It would, and it would do the audience no good. So make sure the podcast has your ideal audience. The second thing to look at 
is the website, right? Are they going to be linking back to your um, to your website? Hmm. Are people going to be able to find it there? That's important because it's like radio. If you just hear something and there's no place to go to it, nobody else will ever find it. So look at the podcast, look at the website. The next thing is reach. How many people are actually going to be hearing this? And I put hearing in air quotes because some of it could be downloads. Some of it could be Facebook Live. Some of it could be social media, all of those things. So look at that. The final thing, and this is probably what gets people in trouble. And we're judged by the company we keep. So make Mm. sure that the podcast you're on is consistent with your brand. And let me give you an example on this. There's a lot of podcasts out there. I call them Wayne's World podcasts. Remember (laughs) Wayne's World, two guys in their mom's basement. I I do. I've got songs going through my head. I wish you hadn't brought it up. Now they won't won't leave for the rest of the day. Well, with that, say you get invited to a Wayne's World podcast and you're you're a B2B consultant and hey, any exposure is good. Well, if you notice now, when you start Googling people's names, often the most recent podcast comes up there. So if you're like on the Rains or the Wayne's World podcast or you know the Stoner Brothers podcast, and somebody is looking to hire you, um, and they, you know, they're ready to hire you for this, you know four-figure, five-figure consulting job, and all of a sudden they Google your name and there you pop up. I guarantee you that's not going to help help your cause. So just make sure it's consistent with your brand. And you, know, you can think through that, the podcast, the website, the social media reach and consistency with your brand. Yeah, that's good. I, I, love, I love marrying that. And I'll ask you as we finish up here, maybe for some resources for people and how to connect. But I love bringing that together with what you said earlier, that your company really became a done for you. That's a term I use. You know, you could teach people all this stuff, but truthfully, most people want all of these things. And there's a lot of steps. And I know you as an engineer, you probably have all the detailed steps in place that most people would shortcut. And so I love the done for you aspect of it. And with that, one of my final questions, we're we're close to being done here, maybe a little bit over. I would like to ask if you could, for everyone, define the person. If they're listening and they're kind of feeling a little bit of a nudge, define the type person that you would work with that you would say, wow, this is a good match for interview valet, who would that be so that that person might know, Ooh, I need to reach out. And then we'll tell them at the end here how they can connect with you. Perfect. Let me start with our mission. Our mission is to personally introduce inspiring thought leaders to millions of they, uh, millions of ideal people they could serve for the betterment of all. Nice. So are you trying to make the world a better place? Are you trying to make a win for everybody? That's the kind of people we, we want to work with people that are Amplifying light in the world, not amplifying darkness. The second thing is, do you serve a national audience, right? If you're just serving people in Kalamazoo, um, you know, you've got a lawn care business in Kalamazoo, you may have a great business, but going on podcasts won't help you because you're reaching this national audience, but you can't help them. So that's something to look at. And then finally, is your business built on relationship sales? So uh, give you an example, earbuds, right? The, the wired earbuds. I don't have to know 
the company story behind that. Uh, to me, those are disposable. They go through the wash all the time. Mm-hmm. Whatever one's got the, the cheapest one, that's fine with me. But if I'm hiring somebody that's a coach, a mentor, a, a consultant, I want to know their heart. I want to know why their business is there, what makes them different. It's more of a long-term relationship sale. And I'm not going to get that off of a uh, a Facebook ad or um, a billboard. I've got to hear that person. So if that's the kind of person you are, and most of the time that could be a nonfiction author, it could be a coach, a consultant, uh, a brand. Um, we work with all of those. And, you know, if we could, if we could help you love to talk with you and we don't do sales calls here, right? Um, we do discovery calls. We'll give you ideas on how you could use it. Um, I'll give you a, a free copy of my book, show you how you can do it yourself. But most of our clients just look and say, yeah, I, I don't want to figure this out myself. Let me tap into your relationships. Let me tap into your network and your expertise. Yeah, and I, I, I do love the way you guys do business. Y'all are pros from the seat that I sit in and I see how y'all interact with my organization. It gives me joy. It makes me feel good. I like it. I know that we're going we're gonna to have some professionals come our way. And so I appreciate that greatly. And I know, I know that's important for people because they want to be represented well. And, uh, and so that's good. So I, I appreciate that. Tom, let me, we've gone a little bit over here and I've got one more question that I ask at the very end, but just we'll, we'll include it in all the notes everywhere, but how can people connect? Where do you want to send people if they want, maybe you mentioned there, there's a book that they could get and some other things. Where, where can people go to connect with you? We'll make this really easy. Just go to interview valet with a V.com forward slash S C or I'm sorry, S G C seek, go create. See, nice. I am, I am an engineer. I messed it up there. Um, and you go there and I'll put, there's an assessment, 10 questions, see how podcast interview marketing work for you. Um, I'll put a free copy of my book, Podcast Guest Profits, How to Grow Your Business with the Targeted Interview Strategy. And I'll put my calendar on there too. So if you'd like to talk about how you could use this, um, how we may, maybe we could help you, just go there to interviewvalet.com forward slash SGC. Beautiful. Thanks. We'll make sure we include links uh, also. And Tom, I, I could, I love to talk to you for a long period of time on just so many things. We're already a few minutes over here. My final question, I gave you a little bit of prep for this. This is our question we ask everyone. Seek, go create is our title. You got one of those words to choose over the other two. And why would you choose it? Seek, go or create? It's got to be create. Um, You know, some people are ready, aim, fire. I'm more like fire, fire, fire. We'll, uh, we'll see where they land. And so for me, I, I'm a creator. Um, I enjoy it. It gives me energy. Um, I'm always, you know, looking for new ideas, but to me, ideas are worth worthless without implementation. So I'm always on, on creating. I always say the, the biggest lie I have ever heard is written on my Naval Academy ring. It's knowledge is sea power. No knowledge is not power. Knowledge is the potential for power. It's one you actually implement it. So for me, it's all about creation. Yeah, love that. Tom, thank you so much for joining us on Seek Go Create. And not just for being a guest, but thank you for all that you do 
for our show, for the podcast industry. I appreciate it. And if you've been listening in, I know you've enjoyed this. Thank you for continuing to listen. I'm going to ask that you share this, let people know. I am sure that you know people that can get value from Tom, all that he said. So make sure that you share that. We've already mentioned earlier about how you can connect with us on all of our channels. I think you know that we drop episodes early Monday, so make sure you're tuned in, following, subscribed. All the words are changing now, but do all those things. And until then, continue being all that you were created to be. Thank you.